This is the EPLOG audio experience. What's the key to have quality interactions in the digital age? What do you need to unlearn when beginning your entrepreneurial journey? And, 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 do women have a fundamentally different way of doing business? And how can that be their USP? Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Voice of Achievers with me, Ashika. We continue our Wonder Women series with Vandana Saxena Poria, OBE, an entrepreneur, intercultural specialist, trainer, author, mother. Born and raised in the UK, Vandana came back to India to begin her entrepreneurial journey and started from scratch. She's worked with Ernst & Young in the past and closely works with the Tata Group and the Indian Institute of Chartered Accountants in India and Wales. She's been an active champion in the UK-India ecosystem, honoured with an OBE for her services to trade and investments in India in 2008. And she was also one of the top 100 UK-India influencers in 2019. She's authored multiple fiction and non-fiction books, including Let Me Hijack, her latest book co-authored with Alec Padamsi, published by Penguin. Now she teaches unlearning at Flame University and actively mentors startups. But what I was excited about was the fact that she plays the saxophone. She says she plays it badly and she's a brown belt at Taekwondo. You know, this is the first woman, the first ever person I'm talking to who plays the saxophone. Wow. Remember, I said I play it really badly. (laughs) And I have to be honest and say that I haven't picked it up for a long time. You know, uh, I think I am sad because, you know, I I should have had you get the saxophone and we should have begun with the... Uh, No. (laughs) Your, Your listeners would have... Turned off immediately. They would have been, Yashika, what are you doing to our eardrums? I want to know what made you even try and attempt at playing the saxophone. Actually, I was in Eastern Europe at the time. And I had a friend who owed me some money. And uh, I said to him, you know, I don't want you to give me the money back. I I want you to buy me something. And he said, um, it's my friend Mike that I set up my first business with. And, and he said, okay, and he played the saxophone. Huh. And he said, you know what, I'm going to get you a saxophone. And I was terrified, but I was also kind of like, you know, actually, this is really cool. I'm an asthmatic, it'll be good for my lungs. And I kind of psyched myself up. Uh, then I started getting lessons in Budapest, which is where I was living. Uh, I got lessons when I was in Pune in the beginning, and uh, I'm just terrible. I can't say anything else. Vandana, you've mentioned that women have a fundamentally different way of doing business and that needs to be heard and that can change the way, you know, people look at business women in India. What is that different way and how can it help? Tell us more. So, okay, I'll have to rewind a little bit and tell you uh, um, a slight story. Um, Because I've lived across the world in different countries, I've experienced almost every kind of ism that you can think of. So obviously racism, I mean, from a kid, I was bullied, I was beaten up, um, you know, been through all those experiences because I had brown skin. 
So racism was like, you know, a given. One moment, you were beaten up. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you grow up in 1970s London, it, you know, it was it was a tough time. I remember once being locked in a car and and there were skinheads that surrounded the car and they were shaking it, trying to break the windows. Uh, and I was six. I mean, you know, what do you do? Uh, and, and don't think it's gone away. I, you know, in my, my nephew three weeks ago in Acton in London uh, was coming home and got jumped on by some men and beaten up. And he's now got to get his um, his jaw kind of replaced. So so racism is and, and you know, uh, I, I'm going to say something very outlandish. Uh, I've seen a lot of prejudice in India between the way we treat people, whether it's the street cleaners or the security guards. Yes, it is um, so all over the world. But, you know, I experienced some really interesting isms. I experienced heightism, heightism, because in Eastern Europe, they're all really tall. So I was like, who's, you know, people were like, who is this small Indian woman? Um, so, yeah, just jokes being made about my height, about my color, about um, my age. I had a lot of ageism because I was very young. I sold my first company when I was 28 mm. and I was running international division when I was 29. So there was a lot of ageism. Where's your boss? Hmm. This was in the day before startups had young bosses. Hmm. So um, I experienced all these isms. I went through a lot of difficulties about 10 years ago. And so this is where the view comes in. I was experiencing an intense amount of pushback from clients that had, I don't know, they were challenged by the kind of training that I wanted to offer hmm. because it was going to push their people to a different level. I couldn't communicate my offering well enough. I think there was defensiveness on both sides. And so I used to play these scenarios in my head. And I used to think, what if? And what if morphed into, my goodness, because, you know, I'm a very imaginative and storytelling person. Mm. What if there was another planet that ran differently? And I read about statistics about how the Indian um, male and female ratio is very skewed to the point where we have less females being born than males. And one of the top areas in the whole of India where there is a bad female-male ratio is South Delhi, the most exclusive affluent neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? And this really troubled me. And being an accountant, I started to calculate how many females had been aborted in India. And then I started thinking about how many females have been aborted in China because of the one child policy. Mm. And then how many were, have been aborted in South America, in Africa, and it came into the hundreds of millions. Mm. And so I invented a planet where all the, all the energy from these little baby souls mm. went off to a planet and was born there. And what would that planet look like? And I started to think about if 80, if you think about it, and it's not a good or bad statement, 80% of our history has been written by men and about men. 80% of religion has been written by men and about men. 80% mm -hmm. of law, culture, economics, business, science, literature, go on, go on, go on, has mm. been written by men and about men. What if that ratio was completely turned on its head and it was 80% female from the beginning? And that was the basis for one of my planets that I've got in a science fiction series that I'm writing. So it wasn't about creating a Themyscira, which is where Wonder Woman comes from. Because if you look at that world, 
it was very much let's take a male world and let's reverse it and that's the female world yes this is actually starting from first principles would we have yeshika would we have monday to friday is working nine to five is working saturday sunday is trutti huh. we wouldn't women just wouldn't do that because our lives don't run like that it would be probably hey we could work from let's say nine until 12 then let's have a break and then let's work again from seven in the evening until nine and the rest of the day is split between work with the family and work for work interesting Focus this three. is interesting huh? so so the idea was what if we what would that world look like so i went around and i did focus groups with men with women with children to say anecdotally what do you think this world would look like when i say fundamentally different what i'm saying is this world that has been created and it's not right or wrong women have only really come into the workplace in the last 100 years right before that we weren't really around so everything has been built to work for men and we have to accept that that's a state but now what some leaps can we take to say let's work things for women yeshika if people say to me why don't we have more women in senior leadership do you know what i say hmm. right i'm 51 now and i look at the challenges that i've got i've got two elderly parents um i've got teenage kids one who's just gone off to university hmm. i am managing all of that and you want me to manage a company uh, and deal with all the politics that goes in that company hmm. why why would i want to do that and then you tell me i'm not successful successful in whose eyes that's one thing i tackle um in the book that i co-wrote with alec badamsi you know we talk about everything in this world is about doing better making things better being the best hmm. Uh, you know, the male perspective of, of dominance and control and power. But there are other ways to live. And I think if we listen to women, who, by the way, said way before COVID, we can work from home. Hmm. And we were scorned, we were laughed at. And yet COVID came. And you know what? Within 48 hours, we were all working from home. When we had been saying that yes. for 10 years, hello, listen, we do have good ideas. Um, Look, I'm not a feminist. I'm an equityist. Right. I'm looking for equity. There's a lot of dominance that has been there in the past. We're in a transition. But what we are the two things, Vandana, that women do differently as leaders? Gosh, um, I don't know that it's women. I think it's about traits and where we see traits. What I would say is that women have to, more than men, manage multiple people relationships and emotions true in the sense that um if a child is sick generally generally it's the mother who takes time off if a parent is sick generally it's the mother who takes time off they are juggling the kitchen they're juggling i know these are all things that have been talked about in the past but what i'm saying is there's a huge strength in that we know how to juggle we know how to be politically correct because we have to manage so many things. Mm. If we can transfer that knowledge to the workplace, we are we're brilliant. Mm. We know how to manage teams. We know how to manage intergenerational. Mm -hmm. We know how to manage um, finance. We know how to manage operations. Do you know what? We bloody know how to do it all, <laughs> right? 
But we take that knowledge. We compartmentalize. Hmm. Alex says in the book as well, we compartmentalize our life like newspaper columns hmm. and articles, right? But the point is, if we just interweave it, we actually have those skills. We just go into the workplace and we forget that we've got them. So I'd say the number one skill is being able to, it's not multitasking. It's about being able to interweave life and work and balance. That's one thing I think women are kick ass at doing. <laughs> Love that. You know, uh, the interesting part about your career trajectory, Vandana, has been the fact that you also started, you know, your entrepreneurial journey in a different country. And mm -hmm. then you came back and started, you know, your entrepreneurial journey in India again. So I have two questions. Number one, how easy or difficult is it to start from scratch, especially in a different country? And what experiences do you bring from that culture, that country, when you start your entrepreneurial journey in India here? Okay, two really great questions. At that age, at that time, you know, today we have entrepreneurs who are 20 years old. I'm sure at that point in time, that wasn't commonplace. No. So, Yeshika, as a kid, I did the craziest things. I helped set up a youth club because my parents didn't want me to go out and mix with Britishers. And they wanted me to stay at home. And I was fed up of staying at home. So I thought, I know, what about if I get them to set up? They, they were well into the Hindu society and bhajans and all of this. What if the Hindu society sets up a youth club? Surely that would be okay. So I convinced my parents who were on the committee to give me a hearing. And I got together with some friends and said, let's set up a youth club. So we set up a youth club. And it ran for many years, actually. And we got government funding to expand it and everything. I mean, you know, I guess that was my first entrepreneurial journey. So I want to go back to one thing that came out. Why did I set it up? And this is a constant theme through my life. It's belonging. I always felt like the misfit. I was always interested in different things. Because I was an asthmatic, I was told at that time you shouldn't play sport. So if I didn't have sport, I used to read. I had a crazy imagination. I, I would read everything from Proverbs to the dictionary to the Gita. Like when I was mm. growing up, I would just, I was a voracious reader. And I would look and try and interconnect these things because no one else was interested in me um, and what I was reading or thinking. So I would just try myself to interconnect things. And so the extension of, so the youth club was trying to find a place of belonging and be all being Hindu at that time in, uh, you know, the UK was, it, we were all my generation. We all had parents who were frozen with their values that they had come mm. over to the UK with. Mm. Um, and at that time, there was no internet, you know, all we got was Naya Zindagi, Naya Jeevan, which was one program on BBC um, <laughs> once a week at 9 a.m. Huh. on Sunday mornings, right? That was it. And so our parents were very, very keen on making sure that we kept the Hindu culture alive. Huh. And I said, if we do this year, you know, we'll put on plays for Diwali and we'll, you know, we'll do, we'll do Gathak and we'll do this and that. And I did, I did Gathak for like, you know, 10 or 15 years. And I really enjoyed meeting different people. You know, when this opportunity came up to go abroad, hmm. I kind of wanted to get out of the shadow of my fantastic, wonderful older brother, who's, you know, Cambridge graduate, doctor, 
straight A student, all of this, I was not. Mm. Um, and, you know, and also my parents grip, I really needed to get away. Right. So I went off to Eastern Europe, a bit of a rebel. But the one thing I learned, and I have to say, I credit my father for this. He taught me to speak to everyone. Mm. I would see him talking to everyone and anyone, uh, the barnwala, the sandwichwala, the taxi driver, the rickshaw driver, um, the president, you know, whoever. Mm. And, and and I just heard what he asked. He was just interested in their lives. Right. And so I learned to do that. And so I didn't see them as Romanians or tall or white or Christian or whatever. Mm. I just saw them as human beings. And what do I have in common with them? Was it difficult um, to begin uh, your journey there? The difficulty was I didn't, when I went there, speak Romanian. And so, um, and lots of people did speak English. Huh. But the, the first thing that struck me, when they realized I was Indian, they loved me. Yuki Sasbi Kabi Bahuti was one of the serials that they absolutely loved, right? <laughs> it showed on Romanian television, right? And they, they had a love for India. So I would start learning a few words in Romanian. So yes, there was an initial transition. Hmm. But what I learned was give up everything you've come from and just absorb yourself into that other world. Nice. And I learned to do that when I used to come to India yeah, yeah, yeah. as a child. Forget England, just be Indian. So this is, this is interesting because uh, when you came back to India and started yeah. your entrepreneurial journey here in Pune, tell us how your cultural experiences from a different country helped you build here? Well, interestingly, in the beginning, they didn't, right? So the first thing is, uh, it wasn't really back to India because I was born in England. Huh. So it wasn't back oh, okay. as such, yeah. right? But I had been coming to India since I was a kid. I thought I knew India when I moved here. I was like, I've got this experience from Eastern Europe. I've just done a payout. I, you know, sold an, a, a company. Uh, you know, I got this and how wrong was One I? can never know, right? Uh, even though I'd had a four week stint, you know, studying Indian business, I didn't really know India business. And um, it was a very steep learning curve. We failed lots of times. We won lots of times. Hmm. It's It's been a hugely exhilarating journey. I spent a lot of time, you know, my big thing is networks. The one thing I would say to everyone, honestly, through your life, People talk about networking and think about transactional networking. Huh, huh. Can I get something from this transaction? Can I make a sale? Will this person be on my next podcast? Will this person feature me on their next podcast? Right. You know, all of that kind of stuff. But what I call building people ecosystems, right, is about we are people. We are much closer to nature than we are to machines. Hmm. And if you look at how nature runs, nature is a one big ecosystem. Right. Right. You have a seed that grows and it has lots of things that, you know, it needs the sun. It needs the rain. It needs food coming up. We as human beings need different things from different people. Mm. We do need rain and thunder every now and again, like my lessons right. of not taking things for granted in India. And we thrive with other people. Right. What I learned very early on is pay it forward. Who can you help? Who can you support? Um, and the more you just give, um, somehow, somewhere, you get as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just incredible. Whether you call it karma or you call it Einstein's laws, um, right. you know, it's, it's, 
all the same thing, actually. Well, you know, you uh, because because you mentioned connections and you mentioned networking, you made an interesting uh, comment. You talk, you spoke about quality of interaction being proportional to transformation cost in an increasingly digital world. How do you make quality interactions possible? What is the definition of quality interactions then? Okay, great question. And it doesn't matter whether you're online or offline. The advantage of being offline is that you can feel, you can sense mm -hmm. much more. But if you're intuitive online, you can sense just as much, I promise you. So the equation is time multiplied by the quality of interaction is proportional to the transformation caused. Now to make that very simple, remember when you were back at school, Think about your favorite teacher who taught. The class went so quickly. You were engaged, you were interactive, and one hour disappeared. Hmm. And remember a teacher that you really didn't get on with, you didn't like, and how boring it was. Yeah. Right? It's not about the time. It's about the quality of the interaction in between. So what was it that made your best teacher the best teacher? It's got to be insightful and interesting to both. So what I define quality of interaction as is look at how do you resonate? How do you stay on the same wavelength? And, and the third one is when you've found that wavelength that you're both really vibing to, how do you up the amplitude? Nice. Turn it up, right? Yeah. That's, that's me, right? Yeah. That's what I look at. And what I realized from a very young age is you can spend hours thinking about your differences. But if you use those same hours to think about your commonalities, so much happens. So resonance is what have you got in common? Mm. Then, then wavelength is how to keep that conversation going and can you do something and forgotten about and how do we restart? with some new social norms that work for more of us. You know, you teach you teach unlearning at Flame. What are the three yeah. things that young people or the future of India needs to unlearn or upcoming entrepreneurs need to unlearn? The first one for the youth of India, Alec would say, and I, I will defer to Alec because he was just, I, I think he was... Um, you know, he was a huge advertising guru hmm. and he was a theatre, um, you know, e expert. Um, and he cross-pollinated all his knowledge. And he said the biggest thing that the youth of India need to do is banish hypocrisies. Look at all the rules you're being asked to follow and ask yourself, you know, who are they serving? Are they serving you or are they serving someone else? Hmm. To young and upcoming entrepreneurs, Alec and I don't think the title CEO is right. Okay. He says CEO, Chief Executive Officer, to execute is to kill. So let's get it out of the workplace and let's bring in the C question mark O. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you to that question mark. He says, do you want to be the Chief Stimulation Officer? Do you want to be the chief belonging officer? Do you want to be the chief visionary officer? The chief reinvention officer? Let's come up with some new titles. Lovely. 
and that's and you're the seat you you know like you're the chief everything officer right but let's turn it into something that's really positive yeah. and speaks out to who we really are right and ronnie talked about this he said forget the word chief now he said you know we're in flat hierarchies right so forget about chief look at how you can devolve responsibilities mm. you know because you mentioned this tell us that one quality that young people need to develop in order to evolve into leaders oh gosh no i can't tell you one <laughs> um i have to give you three okay and there's a logic we think about our lives as history present and future almost like three separate things that don't really connect to each other hmm. what about live story your living story which is your present and your future that's your living story now for you to get the maximum out of your living story whatever age you're at but i definitely think young people there are three things that you need to be able to do one is you have to understand your heritage you know whether you like it or not you have genes that can be traced back right and you are miracle you are an absolute miracle you are a star child every atom in your body has come from somewhere across the universe mm-hmm. so get it into your thick head that you matter every single one of you matter so you have to understand your heritage you have to understand your mum and dad you may have differences with them and they will have shaped who you were as a child the second part is we talk about examining things that are going on i talk about examining nice. inside us right so understand your heritage then examine so who am i today and what do i want to be for the world and the third thing to do is to interact with as many people as possible and understand as many world views as possible from talking to some really senior executives i suddenly had huge empathy for my father who i never had empathy for what he had to fight to to get to the uk what he had to fight with his family i'm in awe of what he did hmm. and i'm so angry with myself in a way that um i've been so hard on him and i am as much as possible now making up for spending time with him and talking to him uh, you know very differently so by interacting with people who are nothing to do with my father mm-hmm. i learned empathy through understanding myself and i understood my heritage better which means that when somebody now comes to me and says i'm having this real big challenge with my mother i have a different viewpoint mm-hmm. and i'm able to explain things or or sh- share with them or coach in a different way so youngest son um, examine you know, examine is what i'm going to take back by the way happy but examine and um really uh, just spend time understanding what i call your internal compass huh an external compass tells us the direction of true north your internal compass shows your true north it helps you work out what you want to do and how you want to be how you want to engage with this world and that's all i want i want people to feel happier and i want them love safety and belonging i think are the three things we're looking for you know you're you're getting into the maslow's hierarchy theory now so i really need to ask you what does achievement mean to you i decided before i hit my 50s that um i would now live my life by key journey indicators 
instead of key performance indicators. Yes, 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 I got that. My journey. Um, and values are really important. Yeah. Success and achievement for me is, is really putting those into action and engaging people so that they're, they're comfortable and happy with, with their lives. They're thriving and helping other people thrive. I think the ism that I would want you to, you know, have is the satisfactionism if that is anything but uh, thank you thank you so much for your meaningful words keep spreading the the lovely positivity that you have and keep playing the Can saxophone the next time i know for a fact that this is going to happen with the saxophone notes from you okay we will, we will see i just wanted to leave if it if it's okay to leave the audience with two things one is i really want to introduce you to my friend ojus who you will meet at some point, but I'm not going to say any more about her, uh, but I think you'll find her very interesting. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say is, especially because break the bias is the word for Women's Day, I, I'd really like everyone to think about this. If you did look for commonality with every single person you saw, you would turn the world into a different place. If you imagine a desert, and you imagine it finally getting water mm. and things starting to grow, right? The equivalent of water for human beings is conversation. Yeah. And if we start conversing with other people that we wouldn't normally converse with, we will turn faces into friendships for life. Beautiful. And if we can do that, just imagine what a world we'd create. And by the way, that came from the women's planet. I love that thought. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on the show, Vandana. It was lovely to have you. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it, Yashika. And best of luck. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Subscribe or hit follow Voice of Achievers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers.com or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on EP Log Media.